Hello, and welcome to 20,000 Leagues Under the Internet. Dive. Dive. You're listening to 20,000 Leagues Under the Internet, a podcast where three friends explore online communities of the weird and strange phenomena from the deepest depths of the internet. Captain, we've gone too far. Welcome to another episode of 20,000 Leagues Under the Internet. My name is Harlan Sphinx, and I am going to be your captain this week, hosting the foreboding episode we're trying to record. Uh, Join with me, as always, is John Carr. Say hello. Hi. And Kyle Luck. What's up? Uh, My name is not Kyle Luck. It is Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Okay, this week you're Captain Crunch. Um, We are going to be talking about... Um, something that, uh, I- I've wanted to do for a, a minute, but there were some Hang on. more pressing I, matters I, I, to I be wanna, discussed. I just, so we can just loosen up a little bit. Sure. So Kyle is, Kyle's Captain Crunch. So if you are... <laughs> I wasn't uh, going to bring this up on the second go around, but John, <laughs> please, by all means. If you are going to be a, uh, serial mascot, mm-hmm. who do you choose? Ooh. Tony the Tiger. To, you have to be Tony, one of them. Tony the Tiger for me. Yeah, he's why? fit. He's Just ripped. He's, he's got optimistic. probably yeah. He's got low cholesterol. Probably. I've got a. I've got a everybody hot take. loves him. I've got a hot take on a second pick to Captain Crunch. Okay. I want to be the Smacks Frog. Ooh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, he's fun. That guy looks like he parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of vibing with Toucan Sam. He's he's living the tropical life. Yeah. He yeah. is carefree. Yes, that's um, that is uh, perfect for John and his John the Mai Tai lover. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of his cereals by any means, but I'm a fan of his lifestyle. Yeah, sure. Um. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to talk about Quibi, uh, a streaming yes. service that uh, crashed and burned harder than a, a lot of most things. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a follow-up to that. <laughs> I was like, give him space to describe give what he him means. Space. Let, let, him, let him breathe. No. But no, that was it. No, that was it. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Um, so uh, let's dive in. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with what Quibi is. Um, I was just beaten down by their advertising so it, it came at me from all angles and yes i was very uh many skeptical. celebrities were in your house yelling yeah. at you it's just a quibby mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck is a quibby <laughs> um yeah they spent a shitload of money specifically during the uh super bowl and the academy awards uh in their marketing campaign so mm-hmm. um but spending a lot of money is what we are. What a lot of this is gonna be about. So, yes, Kyle. Uh, you know, I'm gonna save it. I'll save it. I'll okay. Save it. Are you sure I, you don't want to use? Yeah, you don't want to give us the chance to use our 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 coveted uh, catchphrase. We'll get to it later. Yeah, well, we'll, it later. well, yeah, Haran. I just want to say, is wasn't the funding for this company like in the billions or some shit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Where we'll did the, it. Where did the money come from? <laughs> Uh, we'll get to that. Thank you. Oh, got him. We got there. So for anybody that doesn't know what Quibi is or what the fuck we're talking about, <laughs> Quibi was, 
a short-lived uh, American short-form streaming platform that generated content for viewing specifically on mobile devices. That was their big gimmick, was while you're waiting for your train, you watch a 10-minute Quibi. I don't know why, but calling it short form just makes me feel like somebody in a beret and a turtleneck is trying to peddle me a poem. Yeah, someone <laughs> in the fine arts building at San Francisco State. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and short form is kind of misleading because we'll get into it. Uh, it was founded uh, in LA. How, how did we not call this show? We'll get into it. Or, I like, don't we'll know. Get to that. Dude, like, we fucked up. Well, we, we really did. We inevitably drive this one into the ground. We can start over again. Another we'll call third it. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll call it. We'll get to that. You know what they say? The third rebrands the charm. <laughs> yeah, we're really building out the library for Bird Box <laughs> Inc. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a whole bunch of shows. Watch out, McElroyFamily.com. <laughs> Ours is just a graveyard. <laughs> we're coming for you. Welcome so, to the mausoleum. So we have a lot to get through. <laughs> So, do, we, do we have some stuff to talk about? Sorry. There's so much just, stuff to talk we're about. We're just talking about cereal and graveyards. <laughs> Look, I miss you guys. <laughs> uh, so it was founded in, in Los Angeles in August 2018 as originally New TV by Jeffrey Katzenberg and was led by Meg Whitman as CEO. The service raised $1.75 billion from investors yeah, and it launched... It's just a, an insane number. Like, is that a fucking Kickstarter? Like, what? where did this money come from? Uh, it came from all over the place. <clears throat> came from um, an archangel investor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why it failed in like nine months. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oops, spoilers. Lucifer was an archangel. Uh, it was, it was launched. It, God, we can't go on another biblical tangent. Another? Uh, in general. It was actually a supernatural tangent is where I was about to go. Okay. So. It launched in April 2020. So. We're never going to finish this episode. Mm-mm. It was going to be a, a two hour episode. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about the two people I just mentioned, right? Ke- Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. Now, if Jeffrey Katzenberg, that name sounds kind of familiar it's because he's an american film producer and media proprietor mm-hmm. uh, he became well known for his tenure as chairman of walt disney studios from 1984 to 1994 mm. during which the studio reinvigorated its live action and animated divisions sorry i was just checking to make sure my shit's recording i'm so paranoid now um <laughs> <laughs> just shell shocked from just, the pre-pro of this just, episode just so everyone knows, we're a little loosey-goosey because we just did 25, 30 minutes of uh, tech uh, troubleshooting to yeah. make this happen. So so Jeffrey Katzenberg reinvigorated the live-action and animated divisions, um, as well as producing some of its biggest hits. And let me know if you've heard of these ones. Uh, the Little Mermaid in Never 1989. Uh, oh, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a rough episode for you. Who's she? <laughs> Who's she? <laughs> <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Nice. Okay. John, I, I guess. Okay. Fine. Aladdin sure. and the Lion King. Uh, mm. af- Aladdin, af- what? Where is the he? Beyonce? Where is the lad? Aladdin Sane. What is he? Uh, in? <laughs> you know, David Bowie. Uh, they were good friends. After departing Disney, he was a co founder and CEO of DreamWorks, where he oversaw the production of such animated franchises as. Shrek, Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, Monsters vs. Aliens, and How to Train Your Dragon. 
Don, did so you see he, how he just blew right through those so we couldn't comment on each one of them? <laughs> so he's, 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 uh, he's, still, was, he's, he's still cutting his teeth. He's still like uh, working on some stuff and like workshop and things like He's had a couple of failures. He's but, trying you know, to he's, figure it out. He clearly getting, doesn't. He hasn't had like a home run yet. Yeah. No. No. I was worried that as soon as I said Shrek, somebody would start singing the Smash Mouth song. So I had to oh, blow no, right we're, past, we, past yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get sued, and they were, you know, um, somebody. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my fucking neighbors hate me. Uh, yep. Katzenberg <laughs> has also been involved in politics. Uh, he was oh. an active supporter of Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, and Barack Obama. He was called one of Hollywood's premier political kingmakers and one of the Democratic Party Party's top national fundraisers. Hmm. Wow. So, seems like a pretty good guy. He made a lot of great movies, kids stuff, animated sure. stuff. We got the Shrek memes from him, essentially. Totally. So, uh, we need to talk about Meg Whitman, though. Meg... Whitman was basically sort of the the business side, whereas Katzenberg was more the creative, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so she uh, <laughs> is an American business executive, former political candidate, and philanthropist. She's what? What did she? What did she run for? Uh, she ran for. Rabies. You know what? We'll get to it. It's down. It's I've got it's a fine. couple of paragraphs. It's fine. She is a board member, or was a board member, is? That might was, not be current. She's, she's currently bored. Uh, yeah, she's a board member of Procter & Gamble and Dropbox. Mm. Uh, was previously president and CEO of Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. Was a senior member of Mitt Romney's presidential campaigns in both 2008 and 2012. And I... ran for governor of California as a Republican in 2010. Got it. So these, again, these people are just scrappy. They're just trying to, they're pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. Like really, uh, it's, it's a grassroots kind of uh, organization. Yes, yeah, small yeah. stuff here. Small time. <laughs> Not involved with evil people at all. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. the just the everyman. Yeah, the yeah. everyman. Um, f- but she supported Democrats Hillary Clinton in 2016 and Joe Biden in 2020. So, I mean. Just doing the bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yeah, yeah, real centrist at even, heart here. Yeah, totally. So, um, I, uh, Whitman was an executive in the Walt Disney Company, where she was vice president of strategic planning through the 80s. In the 90s, she was an executive for DreamWorks. So, this is how her and Katzenberg kn- knew each other, right? Got it. Uh, she was also an executive for Procter & Gamble and Hasbro. She was the president and CEO of eBay from 98 to 2008. During the 10 years with the company, she oversaw its expansion from 30 employees and $4 million in annual revenue to more than 15,000 employees and $8 billion in annual revenue. So that would lead you to believe she knows what she's doing. That's like 420... 0.69% 0.69% growth. I need to crawl out from all of the names that you've just dropped on me. Yeah. Um, the, so that's that's the one interesting thing about her is she's worked with a shitload of giant corporations. My God. Um, in June 2007, while preparing for an interview with Reuters, uh, Whitman allegedly shoved her subordinate communications employee, Young Me Kim, of the incident Whitman related, quote, in any high pressure working environment, tensions can surface. <laughs> <laughs> i just fucking cross-checked him so, so i assaulted yeah. her so i ho- hockey checked her into the boards 
yeah, yeah. board meeting. I, why did I imagine that there was a hockey stick involved in this? Like the shoving, I <laughs> guess. Just, I don't know. Great it's flavor. It's that John. motion, yeah. It's great flavor. Um, like barring somebody out. Yeah. So Kim she stated got, she, she got a, a three minute penalty box for it and then was let <laughs> off with a warning. She, she got zero penalty she, and she got th- a bonus she, actually. She threw oh. a fit until she saw the replay and then she was like, Oh yep, okay, yep, I did it. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> My form could have been a little better, but <laughs> Uh, Kim stated, quote, yes, we had an unfortunate incident, but we resolved it in a way that speaks well for her and for eBay. The matter was resolved with $200,000 settlement. Mm. Um, So in 2008, a year later, Whitman was cited by the New York Times as among uh, the women most likely to become the first female president of the United States. Uh, Like I mentioned, she ran for governor in 2010. She won the the Republican primary. The fifth wealthiest woman in California with a net worth of $1.3 billion. Uh, she spent more of her own money on the race than any other political candidate spent on a single election in American history. I'm a little confused, though. So she's kind of playing both sides here. So she's supporting the Democratic Party, but running as a Republican. I, I think like what we said, like the bare minimum, right? She didn't want to vote Super for centrist. the far right mm-hmm. wing trump you know what i mean i i she's yeah super centrist is the sort of vibe i get i mean mitt romney is a perfect example of that like the and mitt romney is like the oldest of the republican party ethos he's not new wave he's definitely like yeah he's classic yeah. repub he's classic D-reg, dude he's, he's, he's reg everything he's, he's republican as original. usual yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not so, like, he's not like cherry Republican. He's like just Coca Cola classic. Dang, you know? That was the joke I was trying to get. And I, I know. I got. I helped you out there, but I got you. <laughs> he's, one of you sets it up. The other one, you know, slams it out of the park. Yeah, That's why me not, and John he, are going to the Olympics with our uh, male volleyball duos. Oh, some Top Gun action. Yeah, I, just speedos. Oh no, actually, we wear jorts. Yeah, uh, my, de- my denim cutoffs are in the mail. Yeah. yeah well yeah okay denim cutoffs is closer i was gonna say what version of top gun were you watching with speedos the better one <laughs> <laughs> the hornier one top buns so uh so she spent 144 million dollars of her own fortune and 178.5 million in total including money from donors uh she was defeated by uh democratic Everyone. governor jerry brown Oh, so this is around that those times. Yes, 2010. Got it. Uh, I was like, I've never heard of this person. By uh, 54 to 41. Got it. So this is the last little bit of just sort of her background, which is kind of important to set up. I, I know there's a lot more information on her, but just bear with me. In 2014, Whitman was named 20th in the Forbes list of 100 uh, most powerful women in the world while the previous year in May 2013 Bloomberg named women most underachieving CEO. So that was an interesting little f- tidbit I found out. In one, in, in one publication, she's 20th in the 100 most powerful women in the world and another publication, most underachieving CEO. It sounds like Mike Bloomberg just being a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she spent that mu- you can spend that much money. That's what ended up happening to him last year. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, I'll just do the Meg Whitman and spend millions and millions of dollars he was just to lose hundreds of dollars on the street." For to me, be it's at, like vote for Mike. And it was just sad. Yeah, vote for Mike. Uh it, to me it's just like her autobiography or just her biography. I'm sure there's tons of biographers lining up to write about her. Um but it would just the best title would be 
Hot and cold, the Meg Whitman story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that was uh, as I was. <laughs> which, which side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> team How Jacob fe- or Team Edward, bro? <laughs> How do you feel about her fucking checking Young Me Kim, a subordinate <laughs> at eBay? <laughs> What the hockey stick? <laughs> yeah, it really embellished it. Yeah. She had the fucking mask on and everything, like uh, Casey Jones. Just chewing Fuck on yeah. the mouth guard. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest takeaways I had from her background was like, she's really good in some respects, but really bad in other respects. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of conflicting opinions about her managerial skills. So we will now finally get into Quibi. So what is Quibi? Short form scripted and unscripted video content specifically made for mobile phone viewing in either portrait or landscape mode. That was like their whole selling point. If I you guys remember portrait. portrait. No, I remember exactly what it was. Um, <clears throat> right. I thought it was mostly designed for portrait mode personally, but so, so it's easier to hold your phone on the bus. Yes and like- yes and no. So every show was edited and optimized to be viewed in portrait mode. So everything obviously is shot, you know, on like four by three or 16 by nine, but then they have to go into every show and basically like, um, adjust the frame for portrait mode to move around the 16 by nine to fit whatever subject they're trying to have on the screen in portrait mode. So there's a lot of extra editing and work that went into it for like kind of a gimmick basically. Wow, that's kind of wild. So if I'm watching like my favorite episode of The Office on Quibi in portrait mode, they would just would it be like squished and everyone's real skinny, or would it be choosing to focus on the main part of the? No, it would crop the video onto yeah. a single subject. Oh man! So there was one interesting episode uh, show. I was watching a video about Quibi and. Uh, the show was called Wireless. I assume it had some sort of another gimmicky cell phone type thing built into the story but basically if you watched it in landscape when the when the character was on his phone in the show it would show you a cutout like a third of the window would be his phone screen so you would be able to see what he's typing in the show what so like weird they did they did interesting weird stuff like that but um the technology uh they called turnstile (laughs) <laughs> okay i feel like this is gonna be one of those man. things that <laughs> yeah i mean i could be wrong here but like do you remember you know when netflix came out years and years ago and everyone was like oh <clears throat> you're gonna be fucking stupid for having videos delivered to your house like mm-hmm. that's a dumb idea people are just gonna scratch them like i feel like we might be on the cusp of something like this may have just been too early for its time but at the same time like i think they threw too much money and into it at the start and yeah yeah frankly nobody wants to watch 15 minute videos of anything like 15 minutes is just long enough to you're like i don't have the attention span for this and then it's not long enough for me to like sit down and watch a thing yeah unless it's like youtube where it's Mm -hmm. like that's you know then that's pushing it like i can't i can't really like push myself to watch a fucking 15 minute youtube video i'm like very borderline well, right. that's- I'm with you, John. Like that, but that's, I and mean, we know Harwin's the opposite of that. Harwin's like, fuck yeah, 85 minutes talking about this weird dog that showed up at Yosemite and rescued a dude out of a fucking uh, pit. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
that on your is that on your your most recently watched Harlan? I'm, well, I'm saying that I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that you have like a very there's a window of like you watch like four minute videos. That's easy, and then totally. you watch like twenty five to an hour and twenty five. But like that weird gray area of like four minutes to twenty minutes. Well, the other is thing where you too, just don't fucking care. The other thing too that you have to that you haven't touched on yet is quality. Like sure. if it's a quality production of 15 minutes and it's enthralling and engaging, of course, that time is going to fly by. Right. And that's a sure. thing we're going to talk about. A lot of this stuff is that people were selling essentially their bottom shelf product projects. Mm. So that was another reason why this didn't do so well. Um, huh. But we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. So Seems like a st- strange strategy. <laughs> Hey, let's sell the lukewarm stuff. Well, yeah, one of the examples was like Guillermo del Toro. Like he has tons of projects. I'm sure he wants to get made, but big studios don't trust or have faith in the project themselves. So what do you do if you are Guillermo del Toro and you really want to get this one project made and you know Disney isn't going to make it? You go to someplace like Quibi and they're like, fuck yeah, we need all the content we can possibly have. We'll make it. But there's going to have this weird gimmicky aspect to it. So that's that's kind of one of the things of how Hollywood works. Is you, Man, that's so weird. Like, yeah. Thinking of like a caveat to your art form, essentially. Like, yeah. hey, like we'll totally have, you know, your painting uh, in the Louvre, but... Um, <laughs> in the back. It's, it's going to have a, a sticker of an ice cream cone covering like 30% of it. Is that cool with you? Is that the, cool? The frame we're going to put it in is going to be better in terms of craftsmanship than your art. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to be a Lisa Frank... Uh, backsplash <laughs> right look so, the glass covering the art's gonna be cracked because it'll look like a broken iphone screen yeah it'll yeah. actually add to the art itself it'll, yeah it's connected with the experience teens. it's gonna be an experience piece but we're <laughs> gonna dictate what it's gonna be so uh they had uh different categories right they were doing comedy drama reality shows documentaries news and uh, uh, Katzenberg said that he wanted to sort of reinvent late night, essentially, as well, at some point, somehow. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Late night and goals. soap operas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to evolve those classic genres for a shorter format and a younger audience. Bro, we have TikTok and Snapchat. Yeah. They already people, did this. And we had people those. just came in and they're just like, you know what? Uh, that thing that you know and love and is comfortable for you. We're going to just completely destroy it. Yeah. Or, or not even destroy it, just do it worse. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're going to half-ass it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with t- almost $2 billion somehow. We're going to one-cheek it with a couple bills. So Quibi, <laughs> Quibi divided its content into three major categories. Marquee scripted titles, unscripted and documentaries, and daily essentials. Full-length movies were referred to as movies in chapters, one of them being their version of The Most Dangerous Game, which starred Liam Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz. <laughs> yes. Wow. I remember the ads for this. See, I don't really remember the ads. I remember... I distinctly remember the ads, and this is so stupid, but it was because uh, Miley Cyrus was breaking up with Liam Hemsworth at the time, and I was like, oh, that's so sad. That's what he's doing now instead of Interesting. But I also remember seeing Christoph Waltz in them and being like, really yeah really have you yeah, guys I have... read the 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 thing the what, what are you talking about 
The original text of the most dangerous game. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, in yes, like, yes. yeah, in like high school. Yeah. Also, I feel like there's been like already a movie made. This is like a, like a, it's been made definitely multiple made, times. Yes. So, yeah. you know, so Quibi's like, hey, let's do something that's classic, tried and true, and let people see what Liam Hensworth is texting on his phone, which is, oh, God, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being hunted. Yeah. <laughs> So a man uh, and Christoph Waltz just being Christoph Waltz being like just being oh, Hans Landa we're, probably we're going, yeah, we're going to have a fun little game <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to hunt you for the sport and I that's have a, a bingo <laughs> so these projects uh, run somewhere between two and two and a half hours the, the the I'm talking about the marquee titles that they have right. But they're divided into 12 to 14 daily episodes, or chapters, as Quibi likes to call them. A new one being released on average, which is a weird way to phrase how often these are on average, as if they get released at different times every two <laughs> every no two schedule. weeks. It could be one week, it could be three weeks. I don't know. <laughs> this is bizarre. <laughs> but, I wild. mean, can you fucking imagine watching 15, uh, 10 or like 15 minute episodes of like uh 50 shades name a of movie gray. somebody die hard you know what i mean like that would be so bizarre be like oh now i have to wait two weeks before the next 15 minute bite of a two and a half hour full length movie mm-hmm. fuck then, the absolute or, off or it's like damn i'm kind of hooked <laughs> yeah. right now i may as well just go stream it somewhere else the godfather is a perfect oh, example like, there's no way anybody would have watched the godfather <laughs> it would not be a classic if that's how it was a movie in 73 parts <laughs> <laughs> half of the time you can barely understand what the lead actor is saying and you're trying to figure out whether or not it's better in landscape or portrait mode on your phone <laughs> way too many options did you see the guy in the back of the gun? No, I was in portrait mode. No, it's I, like, was on, I was on Bart and somebody was it's like when It's like when people watch movies with uh, subtitles and no subtitles and then they'll watch it again with like the director's commentary. Mm-hmm. You'd have to watch it multiple times in both like orientations yeah. yeah i think that would actually be something that would make this platform fun if the content was developed specifically for it uh and there's stuff to like notice in different in the different things so you get yeah you get paid per view or whatever as quibi so you're having people watch each thing twice well and interested. also if it was consistent if every show was meant to be watched in both ways which That's exactly it doesn't what I'm saying. it doesn't seem like it was like some shows like I assume the news shows probably were more focused on the portrait aspect, but then other shows maybe weren't. Mm-hmm. So when you have sure. that inconsistency, it, it throws people off like the, the average user, you know? Yeah. And there could have been a complete incentive set up for like, <clears throat> sure. New, new filmmakers to, to get shoot some quibby points. <laughs> well, I mean like to shoot an iPhone. I mean, these iPhones that just came out shooting fucking 4k. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Dolby. So like, yeah, they could have had something there, but they just were the, the hubris of it all. <laughs> the hubris. <laughs> so, so the unscripted titles were things like, like I said, like reality shows, documentaries, competition shows, mm. um, which uh, Ninja Ameri- Warrior, America, MXC. we love. Yeah, the floor is lava. <sighs> um, I did love that show. It's so, good. One of the shows was called Thanks a Million, and it was a competition show in which, quote, this is from IMDb, 
celebrities kickstart a chain of kindness by giving $100,000 to an unsuspecting individual who must then pay it forward. Nope. Hold on. Absolutely just, not. Just a quick 100K laying around just to kick it forward. It would really yeah. suck to be at the start of that chain. Well, You're just I mean, out. Yeah. Does yeah. it ever come back around? I'm, I have no idea how it worked. I didn't watch the show, so I'm not well, Harlan, 100%. I want to talk about this show. I'm not paying $8 to watch Quibi. <laughs> I don't really want to watch it. I'm watching in portrait mode. I'm so interested. I'm not really sure what the rules were or how this worked, but uh, the hosts included many, many people whose price tags are not cheap, uh, <laughs> including Kristen Bell, Kevin Hart, Nick Jonas, oh my Carly, God. Carly Kloss, Jennifer Lopez, Aaron Rodgers and Tracy Morgan. So it I love seems that Aaron like, Rodgers is up there with those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and he makes more than a lot of them. Probably. You, Aaron. Yeah. But, uh, and preference, uh, Green Bay Packers fan, big Aaron Rodgers. Way to go, guy. <laughs> I'm um, a fan of him because he's a disc golfer too. But, anyways, keep going. He's really John. diversifying his portfolio with this. <laughs> he really is. And I'll, honestly, I don't think he can act. I think he should just stick to the footballing. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Man, like all of these people basically just used Quibi as an ATM. Like, it oh, one hundred percent. That, and I <laughs> mean, like, oh, I'm not cool. even free money. That's tight. That's I'm not even it. done with the other uh, like celebrities and famous actors and directors either. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to it. So the episodes were mostly self-contained, but would still have a recurring format and host. From what I gathered, uh, Jennifer Lopez was the main host that would show up uh, uh, in uh, all the episodes. She would just show up sometimes. Well, I I think she had, she was the host host, and then all the other names I just listed off, they would like come in as like guest hosts or something. I don't know. I'm shooting in the dark here. I'm not watching Quibi. I'm sorry. You didn't do, you didn't do enough. Uh, this on is the probably ground research. This is probably the most research I've done for an episode uh, yet. Um, <laughs> so there was also um, about a dozen quote unquote daily essential shows. Uh, they were short bursts of news, entertainment, and lifestyle. Um, they had NBC, Telemundo, the BBC, Canada's CTV producing uh, daily news updates with TMZ, the Dodo, and E. Oh among among the outlets offering daily pop culture and lifestyle stories. Woo! Like, I totally get where the idea for this came from because I've also um, been on Instagram before and I've gotten, <laughs> <clears throat> I've gotten a two-minute video or less about a current event or a, a quick 60-second documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that I saw it on Instagram or Twitter, and I can move on with my day after that. Yeah, that there are other platforms that do all three of these different sort of categories separately, but better. Mm-hmm. And I understand the want to sort of, uh, uh, sort of bring it all together into one platform, but we we are f- so far past that point as far as technology and social media that this was kind of destined to fail because they didn't focus on original content or like one or the other thing you know in my opinion so let's i mean i'm assuming we're gearing towards where their content started coming from so like is it it was paid content that they they bought or was it how how did the no so they worked so they worked in tandem with a lot of these other companies like nbc and telemundo to create 
original content specifically for Quibi mm-hmm. under the umbrella of TMZ or the Dodo. It would be like TMZ and the Dodo on Quibi. Oh, weird. Quibi the, division. So yeah. it, it was like stuff stuff that did already necess- like it it would exist in other formats, but then they just kind of co-opted it, I guess. From what I understand, it was totally separate from whatever. You, if you were going to go to TMZ or like BBC, mm-hmm. these were shows produced, paid for by Quibi, but they were made by the the companies like NBC or Telemundo. But then they were specifically for Quibi, so you could only watch them on Quibi. It's not like you could go uh-huh. then to NBC and watch the shit that was also on Quibi. That was the whole thing. They owned the the rights and the licensing to these shows mm-hmm. that they had NBC make for Quibi. Got it. Yes, I think. Also, <laughs> was Quibi content only for... Could you do it on your computer or is it just for your phone? So later on... Uh, when things started to take a nosedive, they let they changed it so you could like use Chromecast and other similar things. So to, still just mobile device. Well, it to yeah, if you have Chromecast on your TV, you yeah, could cast it, was, it to your TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the, I mean though. But yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if they made like an app or something that you could like put on your Xbox or your PS4 or your Apple TV to then be able to watch it just exclusively on your TV rather mm. than from your phone. Um, it's kind of unclear because that was way late in the game. And like like I said, it was taking a nosedive at that point. It was like a last ditch effort for them to try and get people to use their service. Totally. So Katzenberg, I have a quote here. He says, I don't think of this as revolutionary as much as it's evolutionary in that you're combining together these two tested forms of filmed narrative. The first generation was two hour movies that were created and designed to be watched in a single sitting in a movie theater. And the next generation was uh, were uh, come on, bud generation were these very long episodic and serialized stories that had either 13 or 26 chapters to them and they were designed to be watched on uh watched an hour or half hour at a time in front of the tv set what quibi is setting out to do is the next form of film narrative the convergence of these two ideas together what we're doing is telling stories that are two to two and a half hours long in chapters that are seven to ten minutes with great talent and designed to be watched on your phone god so i'm exhausted just by the description yeah so what this is kind of kind of uh making me think of is the old serial way of releasing a story via a magazine sure yeah Uh, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. like uh the example that comes to my mind right now is the second dune book dune messiah was was released in a like six to eight uh like like trades yeah like over like six to eight issues of a a magazine there was like a there was like a column for it's uh, like frank herbert had like a column going in this thing to continue his you know the story of the original novel but it's like oh yeah hey frank can you write a little bit for uh the next one here in the magazine it's like sure and so he like did his words for that month and then hey people liked it do it again yeah so he just kept releasing it until it became a fucking next week story. we find our heroes in the perils of the grips of sudden death yeah <laughs> that, that, that sort of thing <laughs> 
Yeah, it's very like comic booky in what yeah. Katzenberg is sort of describing. But the difference is that you have to like actively participate in like what you guys both said is like for both of you, it seems like it's really hard for to get you to sit down and watch 15 minutes of a YouTube video. No, yeah, I, what I'm saying is where these things fall into is such a specific so, sort of no man's land of attention span where I feel like people can stand to watch a certain amount of time of a YouTube video. And then like a after a certain point, they can kind of get bored unless they're like completely engaged. But even still, that's a YouTube video, it's which at, at most they're either watching at work, they're watching because they want to watch something on YouTube or, you know, whatever. Or, or you, they're sitting down to watch a two hour documentary on Netflix or HBO right. or any of those things. But that like weird middle part of like seven minutes the gray area on your no man's phone yeah. is really difficult. I, I think the other important thing to point out, especially with YouTube stuff that's over 15 minutes or over a half hour, um, is that those are hyper like niche things most of the time mm -hmm. that you won't be able to talk to your friends or coworkers around the water cooler about. They're and not going to fucking know. And, and what, what are you going to do? Be like, oh, let me send you the link. And then you watch it. It's like, I'm not going to fucking watch that YouTube video about sea shanties like I yeah. just did the other I, night. I yeah. don't watch like I a mean, seven plus minute YouTube video unless I have to shit really bad. Yeah. So there's there isn't the social is aspect that I think is really important that Quibi is lacking that a lot of other stuff like Netflix has. Right. And the other aspect of that is like truly the instant gratification of this, you know, of every generation of needing that where it's sure. like if you're watching seven minutes of something and then you want to watch the rest of it, you're going to watch the rest of it. But like truly in an episodic fashion, you want it to be 30 to an hour of yeah. something. You don't want, you don't want to sit there and have to click next video every yeah. seven minutes. Well, also, this will be the last thing I say before we move on is um, they started this, I think, way too late in the game. Like we already had Netflix and Prime and Hulu were like the three are the three major players. HBO, too, probably. But then also like a year ago or whatever it was, HBO or uh, Disney Plus came out and like NBC had their streaming service. CBS had their stream. Like everyone has a fucking streaming service. So you're mm -hmm. saturating the market with really good quality trustworthy streaming services and yeah. then the second tier of like subpar stuff like if you're a star trek fan maybe you'll get C cbs all access but then it's like quibi what the fuck do you guys have that people trust and are willing to watch mm -hmm. yeah it's a huge huge uh uh schism thank you great word so during its first year, Quibi said it planned to roll out about 7,000 pieces of content. Uh, the service targeted a younger demographic. Uh, Totaling 49 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, uh, a younger demographic with content they called, quote unquote, quick bites, mm -hmm. which is where the name comes from. Quibby. Quick bites. Oh my god. Balls. Yeah, it's super cringy. Balls! Quibby. Uh, 
So in 2018, Quibi raised $1 billion initially in funding from major Hollywood film studios, TV companies, telecommunications companies, technology companies, banks, and other investors, including Walt Disney, 21st Century, NBC, Sony, Time Warner, Viacom, E1, Lionsgate, MGM, Madrone Capital... Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, <laughs> Alibaba Group, Liberty Global, and ITV. Whoa. Everyone really was behind this shit. Yeah, yeah dude. They had fucking money. Yeah. Like the, the, the teens want quick. They don't have an attention span anymore. They want these they maybe, quick bites. They want they, these quick bites. A quick bite. Yeah. So uh, those names are fucking <laughs> mind boggling. Uh, I mean, but but the reason I when I think one of the reasons why all these crazy huge giant corporations got on board is because they because of Jeffrey Katzenberg, like straight up because of his solid reputation and resume. He's they like, were I like, no Obama, and they're like, for sure, bro. I made the fucking Lion King happen, guys. Yeah, Trust that, me on that's, this. That's that's big dick Disney energy. Oh yeah, B D E for sure. C D D E. So in 2019, Quibi announced it would launch in April 2020 with two pricing tiers. One was uh, 4.99, and there were still ads. And then for 7.99, there were no ads. Mm-hmm. So doesn't Hulu do that? I think. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you have to pay. Ugh, I can't remember what the fucking breakdown. Regardless, is. you have to pay. Yeah. You will you pay. pay. <laughs> Satisfy your overlords at Amazon. <laughs> Live deliciously. You will pay! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that was horrifying. We, we got there. So, on July 8th, 2019, BBC Studios announced it had invested in Quibi. By late 2019, Quibi announced it had sold out its first year advertising inventory, which amounted to $150 million. A measly $150 million. That seems really low when your fucking initial funding was a billion, and you only made $150 million on ads. That's called a loss. The... the the current uh, Powerball jackpot is almost $950 million. So you play everybody, numbers, bro. everybody right oh now, <laughs> play your lucky numbers. Get out there. Get, yeah, get yourself a ticket. You I might make more money than Quibi did. <laughs> <laughs> so at CES <clears throat> uh, 2020, uh, which took place January 7th to January 10th, Quibi presented its full launch plans, including details on its content, technology and partnerships Mm -hmm. in march 2020 quibi announced a partnership with canadian telecommunications company bce which is bell bell canada uh whereby uh bell media division would produce canadian news and sports content for the service and bell mobility would be quibi's exclusive canadian telecom marketing partner it's kind of a huge deal like bell bell canada uh, is one of the largest corporations in Canada. Um, so I think, again, it's it it seems like a little bit of a misstep for them to go all in like this with such BDE, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the content that was available, right? 
Uh, despite having big name directors like Guillermo del Toro, this is kind of what I touched on earlier. Uh, directors like Guillermo del Toro, Sam Raimi, Steven oh, Soderbergh, okay. and Steven Spielberg. Wow. Well, I and, mean, let's, let's, let's face facts. Steven Spielberg's not doing that much. Like the one that True. got me was Sam Raimi. I was like, "Damn, they got Sam Raimi," <laughs> <laughs> which is probably the least well-known of those favorite. four directors. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love that guy. So, and also actors like Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Laura Dern, Idris Elba, sure, and The Rock. Okay, oh, I Idris, love is a, Idris is a big get. <laughs> and Dark Tower, I, love it. I had to edit down. All the other A-list actors, so much, uh, it was insane, the actors that were involved in certain projects. Um, So they had all these people attached to their content, um, and they probably weren't selling their best projects. So again, that's what I was saying earlier, is you have these projects that you know the major studios aren't going to make for you, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're just not your best work. But you want to be involved in this thing because everything relies on your name. You know, the more stuff you have out there, the more people know Sam Raimi <laughs> and the more likely he'll be <laughs> yeah. able to do other stuff. Just, just small... spread that Sam Raimi name. Good for my boy, Sam. So they, they probably weren't selling their best stuff. Um, quality, right? Um, basically, if Disney won't buy it and produce it, Quibi probably will. <laughs> And and we'll while, get the scraps. <laughs> and while I'm trash, <laughs> I'm the trash man. I'm the trash man. Um, and while 1.75 billion dollars sounds like a lot, Netflix alone spent over 14 billion on licensing in 2020 and 17 billion on original content, which only accounts oh for 37 percent of their all their content. Man, I don't know about your guys' bank accounts, but like, <laughs> I I hear these numbers being thrown around like they're just fucking like, here, yeah, here's a fucking Snickers, bro. I'll toss you a Snickers. You toss me a Snickers later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't even fathom this amount of money. Um, <sighs> it's like, and the, the, I know, I know that this is a failure, and it just bums me out. That all this money just went to. Oh yeah, one hundred percent advertising. God. Yeah, basically. Well, the, the funny men. part. The funny part about the $150 million advertising inventory they had, that's like basically what most big budget movies advertising is. So every time you see a a movie price tag that's like $150 million, the rule of thumb is the marketing uh, campaign probably cost the same amount. Mm -hmm. So you have to also factor in, it's like double actually what the movie costs because of marketing. Most movies (sighs) have $150 million marketing campaigns which is fucking crazy hey how about instead of instead of you trying to get us to buy the thing you just make stuff we want to see yeah that's Uh, easy yeah so um bring back daredevil season four i'm waiting for you yeah i want that but you won't do it you cowards you won't fucking do it although he might be in the new spider-man uh anyway moving on that'd be sick um, so they're trying to they're trying to make another Wonka movie with Tom Holland or uh, no I I can't we can't Timothy talk Chalamet. about this because I'm so mad already. Um, <laughs> Wonka movie. Let's talk about some other maddening uh, content titles. How's that sound? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I like to get mad. <laughs> so we have a couple of titles here. Uh, one of their titles was uh, something called Fierce Queens. Okay. 
<laughs> did anybody did anybody have the image of steve buscemi wearing the music band t-shirt ha- popping your head with yeah, that yeah if i was like this feels very fellow kids yes yeah so um th- this is from an uh an article uh somebody else sort of uh wrote these descriptions um and it says an impressively filmed feminist wild kingdom look if you first of all if you have to fucking qualify that it's impressively filmed like you're not doing the work yeah bare minimum uh impressively filmed feminist wild kingdom fierce queens focuses on female animals and how they survive and conquer with narration from reese witherspoon (laughs) it sounds like it sounds kind of like a cool show these are kind of rated as best I, to worst, by the way. If only <laughs> if she reads it, uh, a la Elle Woods. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, oh um, God. the next one I have is, June uh, Carter. is game show spelled G A Y M E. Get right the fuck out. Get out of here with that. I don't need your funky the spellings. No, it's all pandering. Mm-hmm. So um, it stars Matt Rogers, who, if you don't know who the fuck that is, I had to Google him, too. I don't mm-hmm. know who Matt Rogers is. He's a country singer and was the third finalist uh, or the uh, finalist on the third season of American Idol. So way back in the day. Like wow. 2001? When I, yeah, exactly. Who? And Dave Mazzoni. Again, didn't who? know who this guy was. Uh, Dave Mazzoni sounds like a delicious dinner. <laughs> Yeah, I could go have this on a day Mazzoni. You want to go in on a whole day? Let's, you know, one for the table. One well, yeah, Mazzoni. I can't. I can't have a whole Dave Mazzoni to myself. I, can't, I couldn't do a whole one. Could we I get think a Dave Mazzoni and a Caesar salad. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd enjoy it a little too much. Um, <laughs> that's a gay joke. Uh, that's how you do a gay joke, fellas. So that's he's a gay joke. He's a comedian, and uh, he had. A Snapchat original series called Making It. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait, and oh, oh, I'm sorry. Those words just kind of flew through me. I'm, I'm sorry. A Snapchat original series? Can you, can you qualify what the fuck that is? I think it's almost... I think, I think it was Snapchat... Is that a Quibi? Yeah, I think it was Snapchat's attempt to do a Quibi. Can you really hit me with a quick bite for that? I want to know what that is. I have no idea. I didn't look into it. Um, but basically the two of them would judge two straight men on who's the gayest. Uh. (laughs) Problematic much? Can we just let the Eric just escape the room for a second? Game show? And, and, and like I said, these are listed as best to worst. Honestly, that just sounds like the streets of West Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that sounds like... Any one of us walking by a Starbucks in West Hollywood. <laughs> well, if you bring those Daisy Dukes, you're the gayest, John. Well, you I win. Would, you I would, would win, win. <laughs> with a mai tai in your with, with a mai tai in your hand and a with smile on his face. Gold speedos. <laughs> <laughs> so the next show was a show called I Promise, which is it E Y E Promise? Is that no, what's no, going no, on no? No, we can't. Okay. We can't make fun of this one. Unfortunate. Well, no, okay. not unfortunately. We just don't make fun of this one. No one say any jokes <laughs> Guys, right now. Guys, jokes are off. We can't make jokes about this. Okay, one. So, okay. So this, this is, was be very serious. Is it about the blind? Everyone, <laughs> just take a fucking breath. Harwin, say what's not funny. Okay. This this seems to be like one of the only serious shows they they made because. <laughs> It was a series about LeBron James's public elementary school for at-risk kids. We went from game show 
to a show about at-risk kids with LeBron James. Okay, Quibi, what are you doing? <laughs> Next. Memory hole. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Will Arnett walks us through clips of pop culture disasters from decades past. Sounds like our podcast. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, Canada's horrifying Sky Dome opening celebration in 1989 and the movie Jim Cotta. Anybody know Will's agent? We should get him on the show. We should get him on. If you could Seriously, get. I, want, I want Will Arnett on the show. He'd be, be perfect. Will Arnett to pop he would on. be perfect. Anybody out there has his and phone number. And it's time for our hot take with Will Arnett. Will, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Hey, fellas, how you doing? I'm just hanging out. <laughs> that's your will arnett that was, no. that was pretty good beef, you gotta beef that up if we're gonna have him on the show <laughs> yeah i gotta it's an illusion or just work don't it. do I, it look <laughs> yeah I, I, what? he's on the show and i'm doing an impersonation of him while he's here i wouldn't be doing that i'm trying will. to fill a hole right now a hole that we desperately need filled no homo yeah well I'm, I'm really <laughs> yeah sorry. get out of here dave mazzoni <laughs> that, that wasn't an invitation one for the table we're gonna share it my name's yeah, Dave Mazzoni. I heard you want to share me. We need four forks. And some garlic bread. Oh, God. I, I'm good. <laughs> Dave Mazzoni out. So uh, so this one seemed kind of like... Uh, it, well, it seemed like a lot of different podcasts all together, like smashed up. But uh, I got real like America's Funniest Home Videos meets Aussie Man Reviews, if you guys are familiar mm -hmm, yeah. with YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just basically talking about all kinds of wacky shit. Uh, we've got Chrissy's Court, which uh, is basically Judge Judy, except Chrissy Teigen is the judge. Her mom oh, is the bailiff, fuck. and I the would... case and the cases include a man suing his ex girlfriend for the cost of a car that she used to drive him around. The argument being her time is more valuable than the sum of the car, and. A guy ready to sue his boyfriend over buying the wrong birthday gift, a Lizzo sweater. Hear me so, out. I would 100% fucking watch this show, but I wouldn't watch it on my phone. Give, uh, <laughs> give me, give me that in a in a normal in a normal format for yes. for my screens, and this, I will I will be there. I love Chrissy Teigen. She's hilarious. This give, is a show give that me you, that content. This is a show that you get high to and watch half exactly. naked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be half naked. Not on Bart. I would what the fuck? You want yeah. me to watch this on Bart? No. Mm -mm. Uh we, we can't have get reception on Bart anyways. So. Is, well, I can. I don't know what service property you've got, but <laughs> Well, I mean <laughs> I'm talking about I'm in the tube. Oh fuck me. <laughs> that no one's gonna uh, that that part I know, sucks. That, that that <laughs> we just alienated so many people. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're not talking about the famous Simpsons character. We're talking about <laughs> Bay Area Rapid Transit. Oh man, you should you should send that clip to them. See if they'll do, use do, it. Do 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 Bay Area Rapid Transit. <laughs> so they have a cooking show called Dismantled, which this is the one show I am most pumped for. Uh, the show uh, revolves around people cooking. Uh, they pick out their own ingredients, or they pick. Okay, sorry. This is hard to... Let me start over. A cooking competition show in which entrees are blasted out of a cannon onto a pair of contestants who pick the ingredients for the dish. Amazing. Wait. <laughs> to eat it? How does it work? How much you, it just work? Open, you just I, open wide and I, fucking I, yank the chain. Yeah, I'm much, getting a lot of oregano in that. 
How much cocaine was done at the pitch meeting for this? Yeah, man. I'm sure that this one dismantled has been sitting around since the 80s because like the, that they, is some... They started out there like, all right, so give the, the contestants... Cooking shows. Everybody loves cooking shows, the, right, guys? The contestants are going to pick out their own ingredients, but yeah. now hear me out. They're going to get yeah. shot with a fucking cannon. Right in the face! Are we going to shoot some people? I got my I got my 357 in the back. Look, we can pull it out of my trunk. Look, my buddy just bought yeah, a cannon on eBay last weekend. Okay, <sighs> we great. I love your idea. It out with fucking uh, pizza. Uh, oh, that's so good. We're gonna be fucking rich. Can anybody not feel their face right now? I can't feel yeah, my yeah, face. Yeah. I think I'm going blind. Anyone. Do you have a parliament? I could. I could. Build <laughs> um. So buy a my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so comfortable so soft oh my god they need like oh body pillows so uh we also have singled out a reboot of the old mtv dating show but uh with a twist all the potential matches are connected to the contestant via social media oh <laughs> shit but the so, yeah, twist out. everyone is connected to the the main contestant because they're cousins <laughs> oh no here we singled go out with a Roll twist everyone's tape. plugged into skynet Fuck. The Terminator's coming for one of you, and you've been singled out. <laughs> Are you so, Sarah Connor? <laughs> I'm looking for Sarah Connor. <laughs> All right, so I already mentioned those dangerous game. Um, there were also shows called Murder House Flip, The Sauce, oh, shit. Survive. I saw, I saw when the streetlights go on, uh, and they were apparently all bad or boring. I think I should say Murder House Flip, kind of. So like, there was a thing uh, with um, uh, on James Corden, one of his staff writers apparently had pitched that like internally, or like had talked about oh, really? it. Really? Like, yeah. And so they got him um, a customized sweatshirt that said like Murder House Flip on it, or like. Some, something of the kind because he was like what if we had a like an hgtv show kind of like you know flip this house but somebody had died there first oh my god and yeah, so like house this, flip. yeah this guy had pitched the idea for this show before it even existed amongst their writing crew and they thought it was a huge joke and got him the fucking merch and then it fucking became a show Man, and then it was a quibby Qu and then quibby died so Qu quick quibby site. owes them some residuals they gotta flip this quibby okay so let's get into the launch uh on a April 6, 2020, the COVID tracking project um, uh, cited 332,000 positive tests, uh, 9,498 deaths. And wow, we, we really brought the show down here. Mm -hmm, yeah, this is important. I'm sorry. We also did need my throat is starting to hurt a little bit from shouting um, <laughs> with excitement. So those estimates, though, are probably three to four times as many due to the asymptomatic nature of some of people's infections, right? So we weren't doing great. It was also the same day that Quibi launched in the United States and Canada. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bad timing in, in you know, out of their hands, right? <clears throat> um, in the previous month... We had shows, some popular shows that had uh, premiered or were returning. Shows such as Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Love is Blind, which we all know how everybody really loved watching that shit show. Mm -hmm. uh, Last Week Tonight came back on. The final season of The Clone Wars came back. 
and then uh during march supernatural also their final season came back tiger king had premiered i think it was two weeks before quibi was launched mm-hmm. ozark's third season came out and patriot act with hassan minaj so point is there's a lot of other things to fucking watch exactly a lot of other reliable things and things that revolved around current affairs because mm-hmm. we were all really fucking worried about what was going on um so a lot to work against um an ad-free version uh an uh, an ad-free u.s version of the app was made available in the uk ireland australia and germany uh on also on the same day TechCrunch then reported that Quibi saw 300,000 downloads and it hit number three in the app store on its launch day. So not bad. Yeah. On April 14th, uh, the company announced it had seen 1.7 million downloads of its app in its release week. Uh, In the Google Play Store, Quibi was uh, ranked 11 most downloaded app uh, on April 16th. So 10 days later. Can I tell you just quickly, I mean, we talk about apps quite a lot on this show, mm-hmm. and um, how many times I personally will download an app and then within two minutes immediately delete it Yep, from my phone? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that happens that, a lot. Yeah, and it's about to happen a whole lot more. Yep. Uh, Quibi's app fell out of the list of 50 most downloaded free iPhone apps in the United States a week after its release. Whoa! <laughs> Being ranked 125th. Quibi said the 3.5 million people... Uh, they said that 3.5 million people d- had downloaded the app. Of those who had installed the app, 1.3 million were active users. Katzenberg acknowledged the performance was quote not close to what we wanted not Al- great also stating i attribute not everything good. i attribute everything that has gone wrong to coronavirus <laughs> i was gonna say obama <laughs> <laughs> thanks obama a reference to the covid19 pandemic that was disrupting daily routines at the time of the launch so basically they're blaming covid on keeping people from home which is exactly what the service was supposed to when you were supposed to use it while you were commuting while you were mm-hmm. on lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which does make sense, but they don't address some of the other problems. Um, Whitman herself was more positive in her assessment of the launch. Uh, shortly thereafter, moves were made to adjust the service by allowing users to share content on social media platforms and to watch shows on televisions in addition to their phones. So the Chromecast thing they added later. A uh oh yeah to airplay Chromecast uh, TVs with the screen orientation only being set to landscape you know by default. See, they, that's a cop out. That's not what their platform is about. I want to watch Portrait on my fucking TV. <laughs> the way God you have, intended. You yeah. have to, Kyle. You have to turn your whole TV sideways. Sure, and I want the blur effect on the side. You're of, right. In the yeah. Dead space. Yeah. Yeah. I want all TVs to be Quibi compatible. Mm-hmm. Um. So they also developed their own screenshotting function. Uh, things like, uh, I mean, most other streaming services don't allow you to screenshot the video. So they were relying on all of these different uh, sort of getting around essentially with DRM stuff to allow you to share screenshots and whatever mm-hmm. you wanted from the shows. Yeah. By early June, it was reported that the company implemented voluntary executive pay cuts 
Uh, Katzenberg and Whitman stated that while Quibi was, quote, in a good financial position, the company's senior executives volunteered to take 10% pay cut because it's the right thing to do. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah so fucking right. So generous. <clears throat> Uh, the company that. had reportedly avoided reducing its staffing levels, though the app had fallen out of the top 1,000 apps. The same month, oh, it, yeah, like really tumbling, yeah, really down quickly. Because this is Lucifer's fall from hell. Paradise yeah, this lost. this is June, so yeah. this is two months later. Uh, March, April, May, June, three. Months I hear later. hell's great in June. <laughs> yeah, you can really work on your base. Yeah. The. Uh, it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. That's true. <laughs> there is no water. Yeah. So the same month, it was reported that the service was on track for 2 million subscribers in its first year, far below its projected 7.4 million. From January to mid-June, Quibi raised an additional $750 million. Uh, then in July, Sensor uh, Tower reported that about 8% of Quibi's early wave users had converted into paying subscribers, while the subscriptions analyst firm Antenna reported that 27% of Quibi day one 90 day trial users converted their trials. Quibi said those were inaccurate. The other crazy part is they gave away 90 day free trials initially. Yeah, that's three months. Bananas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't understand how they thought that was feasible. I understand it's a new service, but still. Uh, in early August, <clears throat> a free ad-supported version of the service was released in Australia and New Zealand, and the price of the ad-free version was reduced. Um, let's see. Uh, there was a report that stated Quibi at this point had only $200 million in funds available. $200 million? Yeah, from... Just casual, whatever. Yeah, yeah from $1.7 Casual amount of huge money. Uh, so it, then in October, I think as a last ditch effort, it was made available on Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Google TV. So you didn't have to Chromecast or Apple Play it anymore. Mm -hmm. That's called uh, a surge, I believe. Uh, when you, someone who's terminal is about to die, but then they appear God. to be, <laughs> appear to be healthy and lively for a little bit before oh, they sure. crash and die. Yeah. Before they kick the old bucket. Yeah. Um, so this is the shutdown, right? Roku is buying Quibi's content. That's where we're at. Uh, Roku. Ro yeah, Roku said it works perfectly with their ad-supported Roku channel since the ad breaks are built into every show. And Roku's stock has risen over the course of 2020 with an increase oh. of about 10 million users from the previous year. Holy shit. So Roku's actually going to come out on top of of this yeah the i don't hubris. know i don't know how much they're buying the content for i couldn't find any of that because the deal is still in the works um but basically roku has been killing it because of the pandemic that's yeah, that's straight okay. up what it is yeah uh the failure of the app was predicted by many in silicon valley tech ecosystems with one critic rob enderly listing this as the most recent in whitman's repetitive failures due to her inability to take responsibility for mistakes and inability to support subordinates a focus on shifting blame and a lack of subject matter expertise yeesh Damn. yeah um katzenberg and whitman are both in their 60s and probably a little out of touch <laughs> with what young people are into or are using or want. Uh, and if you really kind of think about it, um, 
it, it like I we already talked about this. It's like you're watching a full length movie cut into 15 minute segments that you have to. They just installed a pause button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lasts for two weeks. So uh, it's it's not it's not the engaging content that uh, you know people want like on TikTok. Um, coverage and analysis was blamed has blamed this failure on the concept itself, but also fused between Whitman and Jeffrey Kansenberg. Uh, and failures of leadership from Whitman due to her lack of experience in the industry of the company she is running. Also, one last little thing before we close this episode out. There was a lawsuit by a company called Echo, an interactive video firm. They filed a suit against Quibi for infringing on Echo's intellectual property of the turnstile technology to which Echo owns the patent. They are seeking $96.5 million. <gasps> <laughs> yeah just a casual 96.5 yeah dude. i, I how mean you, how do you come across that number this this is it's quite a high number yeah it's very high number it's uh, a very high number i'm not a patent lawyer they also ended up having to pay three and 350 million dollars back to their investors yeah oh man yeah. i always wondered how man. that works hey it didn't work you owe us money and the person just is forever doomed yeah i assume that money is going to come from whatever the roku deal is but there's still no way that roku is shelling out 350 million dollars for quibi's content they're only a 50 yeah it's only 49 minutes of content <laughs> so and that's all folks. thanks so much <laughs> so that was quibi i uh, a, 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 a beautiful disaster in a lot of ways um uh, and I'm it's what happens see. when you give you know let 60 year old uh film industry nerds that are out of touch with the general population try and create a billion dollar company overnight i couldn't have summed it up better than that <laughs> you Perfect. do no no he, he john's saying he couldn't have summed it up better than that oh yeah yeah, yeah that was so perfect so Quibi, the streaming service that technically never was. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. They really didn't. They got their feet just off the ground before they were smacked down. Yeah, literally you know, like April to January, April to October-ish, actually. It's like, you know, when you're standing on a cliff and you're like, wow, this is beautiful. And then mm-hmm. you jump forward and you fall off the cliff. I, yeah, I've never experienced that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts real bad. We'll we'll get the archangel in here. He can let us know. He can pull a, a soul up from from hell and let us know nope. what that was like. We we can talk to Wiley Coyote next week about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next week we have. Uh, I hope you can tune in. We're gonna talk We've to got Wiley Will Coyote Arnett. on We've the show. Wiley Coyote. <laughs> uh, he's a good get. It's gonna be a jam packed episode. Yeah. Major players. Yeah. All right, that was the show. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope to see you again soon. This podcast is a product of Bird Bar Incorporated.